Talking Tendons 2, Tendinopathy Rehabilitation and Prevention. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger and smarter runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I am the guy to reach out to when you've finally decided enough is enough with your persistent running injuries. I'm a physiotherapist, the owner of the Breakthrough Running Clinic and your podcast host. I'm excited to bring you today's lesson and to add to your ever-growing running knowledge. Let's work together to overcome your running injuries, getting you to that starting line and finishing strong. So let's take it away. Okay, let's dive into episode two of the mini-series. We are talking rehab and prevention. Just a bit of a recap. Last episode, we talked about the why and how we develop a tendinopathy. We went through certain terminologies around tendinitis, why we don't use that anymore. We delved into like the adaptation model a little bit. Um, But I want to start today with a tendinopathy and coming from the concept of that pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral that I've talked about in season one and had a whole episode dedicated to it. So if you're not familiar, please go back because it's a really, really important concept. Like I said, in season one, I discuss this with my clients in the clinic almost every day just so they can grasp um, the situation they've put themselves in and where they are and how difficult it might be to work back up and recognizing where in the spiral they are and yeah just how difficult it's going to be to climb back up based on how far down you are and this will tie in with that continuum that we talked about last season that reactive phase that disrepair phase and that degenerative phase if you are in that degeneration phase you're probably further down that spiral because it is associated with quite chronic long-standing tendinopathies but it does it is worth noting that the pain that you experience doesn't significantly correlate with the amount of damage the tendon might undergo and you might have a really severe case where it's extremely painful but it might only be in that mild reactive phase whereas you can get a significantly degenerative tendon that doesn't experience any pain at all so we're not trying to correlate pain but we are trying to correlate uh, function and what load the tendon can tolerate based on yes symptoms and irritability but how much can you tolerate before symptoms come on that will help determine where you are in this downward spiral and we're starting today when it comes to rehab and prevention working through a few stages and i was listening to a bit of tom goom's uh, Tom Goom's lectures with the online course that I have and he likes to say relating to that uh, that donut and we're not just we're not rehabbing the hole we're rehabbing the donut signifying like the degeneration part of the tendon and the healthy tendon uh, he says we want to treat the person and the donut not the hole so we're really bringing in concepts of what this person is doing throughout the day outside of their running why they run what this pain means to them what uh, significance they're giving this pain uh, how 
they interpret their pain, what they think is going on. And so it's bringing in these factors, which kind of ties into this stage one. So I've got three stages when it comes to this rehab and preventative um, process. And so stage one is identifying uh, compression for the tendon. Any excessive compression of that tendon needs to be addressed. So this can be stage one. If you have an Achilles problem, if you have a high hamstring problem, or if you have a gluteal tendinopathy, these are probably the three major areas where compression really needs to be addressed. Because we can do all the rehab we want. If you are significantly compressing that tendon as becoming irritated outside of your running, then it's going to be extremely difficult for that tendon to recover before you start that rehab process, before you start the strengthening and the returning to running and all that sort of stuff. This needs to be addressed. We could change their running. We could put them in um, higher wedges for their shoes throughout the day. We can do all this sort of stuff. But if you go home, let's just say you have a gluteal tendinopathy. If you go home and sleep in compression and then wake up feeling terrible every morning, it's not setting up a really good foundation for recovery. In episode three, we're going to go through detailed examples of what getting someone out of compression might look like. But just for this episode, just recognize that that's going to be stage one. Stage two is going to be loading that tendon. Tendons really love load. If you give it the right amount in the right conditions under the right circumstances. And we want to see the loading response. So we want to make sure that when we load up a tendon, we start at a level that doesn't irritate the tendon. It doesn't matter if there's a little bit of pain during the exercise. There's some evidence to show that um, pain levels of around about four or five out of 10 during the exercise is quite healthy, but we want to make sure there's no irritation afterwards. So after you do these strengthening exercises, you're not walking around for an hour being like, oh, it's a bit sore now. It's a bit irritated. That's a sign that it may have been overload. The exercise that you did may have been a bit too much. And also we want to see what it's like the following day after you do your exercise program, the following morning is that tendon flared up. That's another sign. And that goes back to one of our universal principles, observing pain over 24 hours. So what a, what could be a starting point for you if you do have an irritated tendon? The first step could be to do what we call isometrics and that's applying load to that tendon without the tendon actually moving. So it's holding a a certain position for a certain period of time and then uh, resting. An example for an Achilles would be to uh, bring your toes onto a step so that your heels are off that step and just keeping that foot flat and just holding that. You could probably hold on to some weights or hold on to a heavy backpack and load is being applied to that tendon, but it's not moving anywhere. You're not pushing up on your toes. You're not bringing the heel down towards that ground. It's just staying there. Uh, An example for your patella tendon could be like a wall sit. Maybe you want to do a quarter squat and just sit uh, with your back to the wall. You're not moving down and up into that squat position. You're just holding that position for a period of time. And as soon as you're finished with that, you stand back up. So we're not moving in and out throughout the set. Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five day injury prevention challenge. 
This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. And there's some evidence from Ebony Rio that can show that uh, I think she used a patella tendon. But if you do, say, five sets of around about 45 seconds at 70% of a maximum contraction, so quite heavy load, uh, you actually can sustain pain relief for up to 45 minutes while doing that exercise. So if you have that sort of response during your tendinopathy, it can actually be used as pain relief. I know I respond quite well to isometrics, and I feel like if I have tendon pain and do some isometrics, I feel like I have more power. I feel like I can jump, hop, land uh, with a bit more confidence, and I'm not as reluctant to, um, to load that tendon. So there can be some really powerful benefits if you do apply these isometrics carefully and work out how you respond to those isometrics because it can be really useful in your toolkit. I'm getting some clients these days to load up their tendons, do some isometric work before they go on a run and seeing how they respond. And it will depend on the level of irritability, depend on the exercise we give them, whether it's too much or too easy can have a significant benefit throughout their run and how they recover afterwards and how they recover the next day. So keep that in mind. So step one would be those isometrics. Step two would be eccentrics. And there's some controversy around how effective eccentrics can be compared to concentrics or utilizing both of them. So an eccentric would be when a tendon is being loaded as it's lengthening and concentric being as it's loaded while it's shortening. So if we think of a calf raise, if you do a calf raise on a step, uh, let's just say you're onto your toes, you start up onto your toes, you apply load, and then you slowly drop that heel down past the step towards the ground. As you're going through that phase, that tendon is lengthening, but it's under load when it's lengthening. So eccentrically loading that tendon. If you're responding really well to isometrics, our next step can be trying some eccentrics and then again, seeing how you respond. See how you respond after doing the exercise, see how you respond the next day. And if you respond quite favorably, then that can be introduced into your rehab process. Step three would be introducing uh, concentric and eccentric. So really doing some heavy, slow, resisted work if we're continuing with this Achilles example, it would be, again, applying load, bringing your toes off the, uh, bring your heels off the edge of a step, slowly working your way down, but then when you get enough stretch on that Achilles, pushing up onto your toes and getting that concentric phase. And it has also been shown with some evidence that eccentrics and concentrics can also reduce pain depending on the individual, depending on how much we load, but it tends to be the heavier the better as long as it's a slow controlled movement for these type of pain-free responses. So we've spent a couple of weeks working on some isometrics. We've seen that uh, the tenders responded quite well and we want to progress to some eccentrics or concentrics, whatever we want to play around with. And we've found out after a couple of weeks that we're responding really well to some slow, heavy eccentrics and concentrics. The next step would be to slowly 
and gradually start applying some power, speed, and plyometrics. And so that would be, I think we all know what power and speed are, but plyometrics would be things like um, jumping, alternate lunges as you lunge from one foot to the other, all these bounding type exercises. And we're looking at the rate of force production. The tendon will undergo a significant load really quickly if you put it through a really fast, powerful action. And so we need to, like I said, take this really gradually, maybe start with um, a session of isometrics and eccentrics, and then once a tendon feels like it's warmed up and it's good to go, start doing some plyometrics. Trial and error the dosage, see how you feel afterwards, see how you feel the next day. And if you were a little bit worse off the next day, we probably have to back off. Um, we probably have to modify that plyometric exercise a little bit, maybe lower the dosage, maybe lower the speed, the rate of contraction, or just the overall dosage, and then slowly build ourselves back up. But once we're into plyometrics and you're responding to plyometrics really, really well, your body's going to start tolerating running and running at a faster speed a lot better. The last step I want to talk about once we're really doing plyometrics and we're responding really well to that is starting to address the entire kinetic chain. So if we're looking at Achilles and we're responding really well to those plyometrics, uh, making sure that our knees and our hips are functioning really well. And this does a really good next step at uh, injury prevention. And this is a step that's often missed in your rehab because once someone feels better, they're like, okay, I'm responding well to running. Let me just go back to running. They're back off their strengthening exercises or at best, they probably just keep up with the exercise that they're doing, but they don't go beyond that. If you're looking at your um, maximum threshold and that maximum capacity line for your tendons to tolerate load, we want to restore that back to your normal load of running. And what I like to explain to clients is let's go beyond that. Let's get that maximal capacity line through the roof so that no matter what you do running-wise, no matter what speed, hills, whatever you want to throw at it with your running training, it cannot exceed that load capacity. That way the tendon's not going to be reactive and sore if you do overload it and if you do have a hard session. So it's addressing the tendon specifically, isolating that tendon, but then it's looking a bit more broader and looking at the the joints above that tendon, the joints below that tendon, and the joints throughout that whole kinetic chain and addressing any sort of power issues or any strength issues that might be throughout that whole chain. So let's recap. So we've got stage one, which would be avoiding compression for your tendon. And that could be daily activities or it could be um, changing like a running shoe or the, the way you're running slightly out of compression, which I'll talk about next episode. Stage two is applying load. Tendons love load and we work through our steps. So our load and holds, our isometrics, then into movement, which would be concentric or eccentric, into then power, speed, plyometrics, and then that last step, working that entire kinetic chain. And it doesn't need to start at step one. It is, however, a good starting point to see how the tendon reacts but depending on the level of irritability and the overall reaction of that tendon, someone might start at stage three and we might start straight away with concentrics and eccentrics and 
see how the tendon responds. And if the tendon responds really well, we don't need to start with isometrics. We can go straight to step two or step three or even step four, just depending on the overall uh, reaction of that tendon and how it's responding. So keep that in mind. It's not a formula that you have to follow. Um, it is a bit of trial and error depending on the individual. So that's stage one and stage two. The third stage is um, kind of interlapping with stage two, but it's throughout the stages of resistance, carefully balancing what running loads you can tolerate. So if you are moving from isometrics to eccentrics, uh, we can judge how the tendon is responding and maybe give you permission to start running. Maybe you want to start with a walk-run program while you're doing these exercises. And then as you're going into, say, the plyometric phase, it's reintroducing a little bit more running. Okay, maybe we can start slow, but maybe do longer and longer mileage. And once again, it's putting that scientific hat on, doing a certain dosage, and then seeing how the tendon reacts later on that day and the next morning. And this is where you need to work really carefully with either a running coach or a physiotherapist because they will formulate a plan for you. Most runners aren't that sensible. I always say it. Um, they tend to overdo things. So having a structured plan and being told what to do is sometimes the best option for most people. So an example might be, let's just say we've started plyometrics. Okay, now you can start running five kilometers at a um, six minute pace do that in the morning then do your resistance training in the afternoon we'll see the next morning how you've tolerated that if there is a slight reaction okay let's go back let's give it a day off this time instead of doing your running and your resistance training in the same day let's break it up so every day you're going to either do uh, resistance training followed by the next day going for a run and repeat that cycle. See how the tendon responds. If it's not if it's not responding really well, okay, we have to have a rest day in between to allow that tendon to recover. Let's run every third day, resistance training the day after that, and then having a day off. So this is where it comes into a bit of a, an art as well as a science. It's really just playing around with the dosages and seeing how you're going to respond. And your physio or your running coach would know just exactly how to test and tweak those variables because there's so many variables to consider. Initially, when you're introducing more running, we do play it safe and avoid running on consecutive days. There is a tendon synthesis uh, process it goes through. So if you subject your tendon to load while running, uh, the overall synthesis will be uh, degraded over 24 hours. And then in that 24 to 48 hours, the synthesis actually um, becomes positive. So within 24 to 48 hours after exercise, it's actually restoring. So if you, if you do hard sessions on back-to-back -back days, you're not really giving that tendon time to synthesize and actually get stronger. So especially in those initial days when you're reintroducing running, uh, it can be a really powerful tool to avoid consecutive days and always see how you respond 24 hours afterwards. So hopefully that's laid down a good principle for how you're going to rehab your tendon and then once it's rehabbed, having some principles for injury prevention. Let's avoid compression. Let's start 
applying load under the right conditions and slowly increasing that load and then having that delicate balance of integrating running while you're building up that load tolerance with your resistance training. I thought I'd finish this episode with five prevention tips that I've come up with. And so the first one being understanding your loading factors and consider them when planning your training and making sure we're not doing any drastic change. There's so many variables when it comes to running. It might be uh, a distance, it might be speed, it might be hills, transitioning shoes, like if you want to go from a bulkier shoe to minimalist shoes. If you're running on the beach, changing your terrain, changing your overall volume, you really need to understand the loading factors and consider these in your training plan to make sure you're not avoiding, uh, to make sure you're uh, avoiding big spikes in your training. Very, very key point when it comes to injury prevention. Tip number two, make sure you're recovering well. Make sure you're sleeping well. Make sure you have a really good nutrition and make sure you have a really smart training plan. Also avoid uh, long-term anti-inflammation medication. That tip can sort of find its way into the nutrition and sleep side of things. Tip number three would be be cautious with your pre-season and your extended times off running. If you have more than two or three weeks off, if you go on holidays, or if you have a couple of months off, if it's the off-season, very cautiously work your way back in. This is where injuries are at the most prominent because people think they can jump straight back into the loads that they used to do. It does take a couple of weeks. If you are really strong, it still only takes a couple of weeks for you to build back up that load, but it still needs to be done gradually in the initial stages. So be very cautious of that. Tip number four is be mindful of compression outside of running. So your Achilles, your glute med, the patella tendon, um, understand that compression is a huge factor and you might have to modify your daily activities out of compression in order for that tendon to recover. My uh, fifth and final tip for prevention is to avoid complete rest. We want to stay away from that pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral and that spiral all starts if you undergo a tendon reaction and your solution for that is a couple of weeks of complete rest followed by resuming back to the load that you used to because that's going to produce another reaction. You're going to take a, a, some more extended time off. It's going to get weaker and we're already starting to head down that spiral. So those rehab tips. Number one, understand those loading factors. Number two, make sure you're recovering well with sleep and nutrition. Number three, be cautious of pre-season or extended time off running. Number four, avoiding compression of that tendon outside of running. And number five, avoiding complete rest. That's all I have for you today. Next episode, we're going to get real specific. We're going to talk about Achilles tendinopathy, hamstring and gluteal tendinopathy, how we tackle these conditions, where we start off in our rehab cycle, how we build up, what training errors might lead to these injuries, how we progress through that rehab and what training considerations need to be put in place when you're getting back into your running. We'll go through those points with all of those conditions. So hopefully you can jot down a few of these tips and then apply it to your running. That's the episode I have for you today. I hope you've learned a lot. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Running Smarter Podcast. I hope you can see the impact this content will have on your future running. If you want to continue expanding your knowledge, please subscribe to the podcast and keep listening. If you want to learn quicker, jump into the Facebook group titled Become a Smarter Runner. If you want tailored education and physio rehab, you can personally work with me at breakthroughrunning.physio. Thank you so much once again. And remember, knowledge is power.